everyone, Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet. Really uh, so pleased on our latest episode of our podcast to have the great Tom Jenkins on. Uh, you'll be very uh, pleased to know that um, this is a podcast rather than a, a video because Tom is, is sporting locks that are unlike that on his LinkedIn profile. I think it's a real uh, some real coronavirus curls going on there, Tom. I mean, th this closing of um, hairdressers is having a bad effect on all of us, isn't it? 100%. And with uh, three under five in my London flat, I've decided shaving is entirely optional too. I've got to say, I've never been introduced as the great before. And, and that was that was, that was was very pleasing. I, I might insist on it from now on. Well, I think absolutely. You know, when, when I hear what you've been up to in your... Um, relatively short veterinary career i i took a long time to uh to get moving into the digital space but but you've moved very quickly on and i suppose that's part of your background of before you went off to vet school instead of doing paper rounds uh you used to do websites didn't you yeah well i, I actually had i think about five paper rounds at one point paying about a quid a day and um i quickly found out that you could design uh pretty horrendous websites for people for more than a pound a day they still pay you more than that so yes um swapped swapped the paper around for for a bit of web development and and very much taking a, a slightly less traditional route after leaving vet school in in 2012 going over to china that must have been a huge uh learning experience and at, at a relatively young age to be a COO of a group of practices over there. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I think the sort of non-traditional route um, partly was um, just a series of, of errors that led me there. And I'll explain why. I, I'd always wanted to be a vet, but I didn't know any vets. Um, I had no idea uh, what the path would be to get there. So it took me a bit longer to sort of get to vet school than I would have hoped. You know, a couple of unplanned gap years ended up with sort of seven A-levels, uh, took the wrong subjects initially, nearly applied to an all-girls college at Cambridge because it's the only prospectus I could get my hands on and I thought it looked it looked like a fairly attractive option. So, yeah, there's a bumpy path. But along the way, you get to do all these other things and it exposes you to other opportunities. And so doing the web development, getting some sort of uh, project management experience, commercial experience, um, it became obvious that there was an opportunity to combine that experience with the uh, passion for veterinary medicine. And so in my final year, I actually read a, a book called The Growth Map by Jim O'Neill, where he comes up with the BRIC concept with Brazil, Russia, India, and China being growth economies. And I thought, well, where you've got an emerging middle class, you're going to have an emerging population of pet owners who are going to need veterinary care. Uh, so maybe I can find a, a platform to grow uh, and help be part of that growth journey. I'd also done some work in uh, South Africa, making a program called Survivor Vet School, where we'd worked with rhinos. We set up an advocacy group called Team Rhino. And I had this idea that I could work on the demand side of the equation with a lot of anti-poaching efforts being on the supply side. I could be in China and I could help 
with you know reductions in the, the consumption really? of rhino horn. Yeah. Incredibly naive, as if people are going to be out on the streets drinking rhino horn and I could yeah. run around saying, no, don't do that. Had almost zero impact there, but um, certainly the journey on the companion animal side was, was, was really good fun. And of course, they're such noble creatures. I, when I was a student, went over to Zimbabwe and actually one of my enduring memories as a vet or a vet student was to bottle feed a baby orphaned rhino, which was a a huge thrill. So uh, yeah, great, uh, great work that you've, you've done there. And I think it, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. If you don't try things, you know, you don't get anywhere. And actually we probably learn more from our failure than we do from our success, don't we? Definitely. I think giving yourself the permission to fail is something we don't do enough in veterinary. I think Mm. it's a self-selecting population of highly achievement orientated people. And that includes me and a certain level of perfectionism and holding yourself to to an absurdly high standard. And I think that can stop us trying new things and, and, and yeah, risking failure. But if, Mm. if, if you fail, you just sort of dust yourself off and you, you, you either try again or try something else. I, I did some lectures a few years ago at a couple of the vet schools and part of my, I was in dermatology, but I started it off by, you know, saying to them some of the things I'd done in my early career, because I think there is a fear amongst vet students that they'll be struck off within a year or two of qualifying. Oh, yeah. And actually it's, it's highly unlikely that that will happen. There's a, there's a Churchill quote that I like. It's um, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And, uh, <laughs> I think and of course, he's, he set himself up as a relatively old man to be hugely successful at a time that we really needed somebody to be hugely successful, didn't he? Oh, definitely. And, and uh, a Nobel Prize for literature to, to, to cap things off and a fairly accomplished painter. So, and, yeah, and a good I, bricklayer as well, Tom. <laughs> is that right yeah he he used to do his own uh, bricky work so a, a very uh, talented man obviously spending time in china gives you all of that cultural um benefits as well of learning how other people think and work but then thrown back in as coo of, of village vets with brendan how, how was that journey it, yeah, it, it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a real opportunity to show that what we had done out in China, the systems that we put in place to augment the veterinary team's patient advocacy efforts, um, the way we'd built a culture, um, overlaying the the local culture and the culture of the uh, people, the whole team from twenty different countries, and so then bringing that back to the UK bring it to a more established business. What I loved about Village Vet is Brendan uh, and his team grew that business over 30 years. So they had real operational bandwidth. If they wanted to implement a new strategic initiative, they could because they knew the businesses, they knew the teams, they knew how to get stuff done. And so it really was about operational excellence. How can we best, most effectively run these veterinary clinics? Um, And I enjoyed that for sure. I've been reading Van Harnish's book, which is all about scale up. And he said, you know, that actually companies that are 25 years old, that's when often they see their massive growth. So companies like Apple, Starbucks, actually, if you look at them when they're 25 years old, they're still relatively small companies and the massive growth has come afterwards. And of course, Brendan and Village Vets were always seen as very innovative. So, you know, a great place to, to work in. And then of course, you, you next pop up on my radar doing the excellent Vet Forum, which for those who don't know listening, it was a, 
an opportunity for pharmaceutical firms, uh, service companies to actually talk to to vets, uh, you know, on a more informal, almost a speed dating type format, uh, which I think uh, having sent Claire over there, I think she thoroughly enjoyed her few days in, I think it was Marbella, but a, a fabulous business that you've brought into the veterinary profession as well. But a bit like with myself with webinars, maybe a bit different with you, but, you know, I don't really have any original ideas. I just go out to other industries and steal theirs. And it sounds like you you did that a bit with the with the vet forum uh, idea. Yeah, I mean, there was already a fantastic team called Open Room running these events. And I actually got an email in my inbox saying, hey, um, how would you like uh, two nights in the Algarve? Um, we'll pay. And I'm thinking this this has got to be a scam. Uh, uh, I thought, well, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, which seems to be the theme of our conversation. Exactly. And I got back to them. And I said, look, I'd love to help you bring this event to the to the veterinary world. Um, take it to the USA and APAC as well, if you like. And they said, yeah. And so we had the first event in the Algarve, the second one in Marbella, and we've had events in Austin, Texas, and Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> as well and they've just been the the veterinary world has really really embraced the format um i mean who wouldn't like to spend uh, a couple of days with their with their peers in uh sunny marbella uh, especially right now in the current context we're all, we're well, all missing that hey well i'm i'm taking the vitamin d tablets instead which is not nearly as much fun but there you no, go no it's got to be done but it, it's obviously a really difficult time for hospitality you know, it, it's really sad to see businesses struggling so much. I, and I know you've talked about it, and I've certainly talked about it for a long time, about how businesses need to be digital businesses. You know, whether you're a vet practice, whether you sell bread, sure. um, whatever you do, you know, you need to be a digital business. And, and to a large extent, uh, and not really being <laughs> listened to, but of course, this nanometer-sized virus has, has been a real... Um, encourager for people to to go digital uh and those who are already digital have obviously had an advantage but uh there's a lot of people saying you know this is the beginning of the digital decade and actually we've probably digitally transformed in the first year of that decade more than we would have done in 10 years without the virus what what are your thoughts on that i think you're right that it certainly accelerated the adoption of digitalization opportunities across across a number of sectors and i remember sort of at the start of all of this there was a post on linkedin saying who's driving digital transformation at your company is it the ceo the cto the coo or, or covid and yeah. everyone knew what the answer was yes. i think it has been a double-edged sword uh, because of the manner in which people are ado adopting the digitalization opportunities for me, I'm very passionate about online to offline, offline to online, this O2O concept, yeah. which for a long time got laughed at. And then Uber comes along and people suddenly understand that you can have online facilitation, online augmentation of physical products and services. Yeah. And I think that's the real opportunity for uh, veterinary clinics. But at the start of the pandemic, people thought we need to find a way to digitally replace what we do physically. And no vet, no veterinary nurse is really going to 
want to embrace that i don't think where it's it's not a replacement for having hands on the animal when you need that physical exam but it is something that can digitally augment your mm. your existing patient advocacy, advocacy efforts so i think there's whenever you sort of have are forced into anything it's going to be a little bit less thoughtful than when you've had the time but i think i think it's over, net net it's a it's a good thing and we we can work on refining and getting it right um over the next over the years to come yeah the speed of transformation has been enormous and it you know in some ways zoom has gone up 30 fold in the number of clients it's had everybody now knows what zoom is everybody's a zoom expert which is helpful for our business you know we've been on the zoom platform for five years so we, we know a lot about it and of course um i now do some cool stuff uh, our congress is going to be uh, direct from our website instead of using the zoom platform as a separate thing so just okay. as a, a little plug and aside, obviously we're running our virtual conference. This will be our ninth annual virtual conference. So we've been doing virtual conferences when it wasn't sexy to do virtual conferences. <laughs> and last year we had about 10,000 um, vets and nurses registered for our conference early February, obviously just before COVID hits. So I, I, I don't know how many we'll get this year, but uh, we've helped about 20 events that were physical and would have obviously had a big loss of revenue because they'd booked conference centers to at least break even or make a small profit. So that's been a real satisfying thing for me this year. But of course, you've come from the other angle of a similar angle in, in that uh, a lot of practices were struggling to see clients. And, and, you know, as a triage system, you know, PetApp is a is a brilliant tool. Tell us a little bit about how the last year has been for for PetApp. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think just just for a little, little bit of recognition there, I think it's great that we've had Webinar Vet ready with the knowledge and understanding to to help other events digitally transform in the way that you have. And I've we've attended and sponsored many of those events. So so grateful to you and your team for that. In terms of pets app helping clinics i think like i say we started two and a half years ago we're not a we weren't built for the pandemic i yeah. certainly didn't anticipate the pandemic actually um a friend of mine mike in glasgow at pets and vets he was telling me in i think uh, mid-february that this was going to be a big deal and we should be prepared for it and i was still kind of you know thinking oh no you know it'll be all right so no foresight really on on, on yes. my part in that regard. But then um, we had built a video consulting platform about two years ago, and we had found that it was a pretty shoddy experience, especially for vets. You, with these one and done video consults, you spend the first half of the uh, consultation under the bed with the owner trying to retrieve a reluctant cat, and the second half uh, hoping the cat sneezes in exactly the way the owner is describing. Because if it doesn't, you've got no hope of adding any value, providing any kind of diagnosis, any kind of treatment plan. And so I think um, that was good that we had that learning, that, that failure, frankly, yeah. um, ahead of time. So we knew that the text chat backbone, the asynchronous interaction, making sure you include the whole veterinary team, not just vets, but the reception team, the nursing team, making sure you layer on payments, an ongoing digital ecosystem with push notifications, et cetera this more complete environment where you can have these joined up online to offline, offline to online experiences. That's the answer. And if you get that answer right, you're 
the versatility of your use cases is 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 just extraordinary. You can do the revenue replacement that people especially needed at this uh, in the first lockdown, and then you can do the capacity utilization improvements that people need now with pent up demand in the face of um, reduced capacity because of the social distancing measures. Hmm. I think um, I hope the the veterinary profession doesn't make the mistake of throwing this away when everything gets um, released. You know, we're talking about events potentially going hybrid. For me, you know, apps like PetApp are very useful moving forward in that um, it does give people the opportunity to come on and, and uh, you know, have a chat with their, their vet. Maybe they're, you know, a bit more infirm, they can't get around or the cat is very fearful when it goes to the practice. I think as a triage system, it's excellent. And I do hope that vets don't throw that away and then, you know, get all upset when perhaps it, there's big groups that are, are doing it and, and they're losing clients from it. So I think it's a real good opportunity. You know, we looked at this in, again, just before the pandemic, although the pandemic then came with a company in, in Canada. I'm very much seeing that, uh, you know, it's something that can be beneficial you know, before the pandemic, but, you know, also after. So I hope that it continues to be utilised, you know, when restrictions have, have gone away completely. Yeah, we see, we've seen sort of robust and consistent usage over the, the year since PetsApp has been launched. Um, yeah. And people are saying that it's, it's bringing down the inbound call volumes and that the asynchronous way of interacting, it puts them back in charge of their own workflow so that they can prioritize things at a glance. And it's not the sort of three rings and you have to answer the phone regardless of yeah. whatever you're doing. So I think that use case plays out on, a, on an ongoing basis. And I think you're right that we can sort of sit back and say, oh no, look at this sort of disruption that's coming in, whether it's direct consumer telemedicine offerings or larger groups with offerings, whatever it might be, your competitors down the road using PetsApp even, you can sit back and sort of say, well, it's not like the, the good old days, but um, if you don't embrace the digital transformation opportunities, someone else will. And you've got a unique selling point as a local veterinary clinic. People yeah. want to engage with their veterinary team, but we know that the local veterinary team only addresses 8% of all pet issues currently. Mm. So there's 92% of all pet issues that you and your team are not addressing. And, and you can't do more than you're already doing. If there's a, the, the solution isn't that you guys need to work harder. So there needs to be another solution and using digital tools to augment your existing efforts so that you can better serve clients and their pets without asking more of your already stretched veterinary team. To me, whatever that tool is, whether it's PetsApp or some other tool, I think is a no brainer. I think you're right, Tom, you know, in the end, I've been talking about those companies who aren't digitally transformed probably won't exist in 10 years. Actually, what's happened with um, the whole um, COVID thing is a lot of businesses have gone out of business immediately because they've not been able to cope and they've not prepared themselves for digital transformation. Of course, the virus has taken away their business and, and you know, may continue to do. So I, I think it's so important. Is there a possibility, can you shout out a sort of email address that if people are interested, they can get in contact with you? Of course, you can get me on uh, tom at petsapp.com. That's Tom with an entirely unnecessary H, so T-H-O-M at 
p-e-t-s-a-p-p.com. I think one of the um, lovely things about doing webinars, and we lose it when we do a podcast, is, of course, um, not everybody will be able to see the beautiful cat that was climbing over your books before. It's uh, It's been great to see so many pets getting involved with Zoom as well. And I, I, I got the feeling that the cat had enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. And he's going to enjoy my seat as soon as I stand up. <laughs> Tom, it's been so good to speak to you. I'm always um, encouraged and, and uh, amazed by all the things that you've managed to do in, in such a short career. I'm really looking forward to what's going to be happening over the next couple of years because the speed of change is, is, is going ever quicker. And uh, I think we're in great hands uh, looking to you to see what uh, maybe will be happening over the next couple of years. So looking forward to, to seeing how the journey continues and maybe we'll get you back on a, on a webinar or a podcast soon. You're, you're very kind. Thanks for having me on and thanks for the inspiration you provided too. Thanks, Tom. Take care. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you uh, everybody listening on another podcast very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.